Welcome to the Anchored Podcast with Pastor Reginald Wayne Sharp Jr. I am so excited that you've tuned in, and it is my prayer that these messages will always help you to remain anchored, regardless of what storm or what season you're navigating. I pray that God would speak to your heart today and that you will never, ever, ever be the same again. Stay connected to Fellowship Chicago. This is Pastor Reginald Wayne Sharp Jr. I pray you stay anchored. Peace, peace. First Samuel chapter 30. First Samuel chapter 30. Monday through Saturday we're fasting. No breads, no sweets, no fried foods. You can eat sweeteners. You can use honey. Uh, you can eat fruit. Amen. You can use your air fryer. Amen. Amen. God has delivered you to use your air fryer. And so I encourage you to do that. Be a, be a part of this fast. Because I'm telling you, when you fast corporately, God always shifts something. And so join in. Don't miss out on this. It's not too late to join in. First Samuel chapter 30. It's the first day of our Women's History Month. And I want to focus in on some more sisters today. First Samuel chapter 30, verses 1 through 5. And then verse 18. I want to read this into your hearing. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1 through 5 and verse 18. It reads like this. Now when David and his men came to Ziklag, on the third day the Amalekites had made a raid on the Negeeb and on Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag, burned it down, and taken captive the women. Somebody say the women. And all who were in it, both small and great. They killed none of them, but carried them off and went their way. When David and his men came to the city, they found it burned down and their wives, somebody said their wives, and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. Verse 5, David's two wives, somebody say two. Mm, David's two wives also have been taken captive, Ahinoam of Jezreel, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. Verse 6, And David was in the great danger, for the people spoke of stoning him, because of the people were bitter in spirit for their sons and their daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Verse 18, verse 18, David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken, and David rescued his two wives. I want to talk today from this thought very simply. Just when you think it's all over, just when you think it's all over. Tell the person beside you, sometimes I thought it was all over. Yesterday I was perusing through the internet and I bumped into an article that was expressing they're getting ready to drop a new movie called I Am Legend 2. Uh-huh. I Am Legend 2 is coming out starring Michael B. Jordan and Will Smith. Sister, stay focused. Um... There's a new movie coming out, I Am Legend 2, a sequel from I Am Legend, where Will Smith was the key star of that movie, Dr. Robert. And everyone seemed excited. I started looking at the comments. I was shocked to learn of this, that I Am Legend's coming out with a new movie, and everybody else seemed excited until those who actually saw the first movie. Because if you've seen the first movie, I Am Legend, everybody is confused at how there is a sequel because Will Smith's character, Dr. Robert, died in the last scene of the movie. So everybody's scratching their head trying to figure out how do you have a sequel when you died in the last scene of a movie. It would seem like I Am Legend is all over. But there's a sequel coming. Even after a major death in the last scene, of the last movie. Sometimes life can make you feel like it's, it's all over. And I know this personally because I remember vividly when I was trying to finish my second master's degree at Candler School of Theology, Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia. They flowed different down there. If you didn't have all of your money paid by a certain date, you could not finish the semester. And so at the time, I did not have a scholarship to be there. I had to pay out of pocket with the assistance of some very kind people. But that second semester, things got tight. I had to help my wife. And the Lord told me, take care of Bree. Make sure she's set. She was in school at the time. And the Lord told me, take care of your wife first. 
and I'll, and I'll take care of you. I said, Lord, I've looked at my bank account. I, and I, I hear what you're saying. Take care of your wife first, and I'm going to take care of you. But it just got so bad. I needed $12,000 to stay in school and only had a couple hundred in my bank account. I thought it was all over. I just knew I would have to drop out and go back later. I remember vividly when I walked away from my first church, resigned, and God released me from serving at my first church. Some people get tight when I tell this story, but it's a faith move. Because when God releases you from a season and you don't have any clarity of where you're going next, I was literally prepared. So confident was I in God that God had released me from that last season, y'all, that I was willing. I told my wife to go work at Chick-fil-A or men's warehouse or at a suit shop to help brothers get sharp in their suit. I, I, I did not think that a door would open for me past serving at my previous church. I really did think it was over for me. I remember last year around this time, many of you who were watching the virtual ship and still on the virtual ship this morning, you remember my grandmother was deathly ill with COVID-19. She was so very ill with COVID-19 that we literally thought many days it was absolutely over. She had this big word I learned in the pandemic called comorbidities, which means you already have some pre-existing health conditions and complications that if you are to contract COVID-19, it could exacerbate the effects on your body. My grandmother had congestive heart failure. She was diabetic. She had all kinds of issues. She was already in her 80s when she contracted. So I just knew, we just knew after being on that ventilator for four weeks and then getting off the ventilator, then they have to put her back on the ventilator. We just knew it was all over. Sometimes, if you be real, you've had some moments in your life where you thought it was all over. And that's what happens in our text today with these two wives and these wives of these men. The background of this story is very simple. David is running from King Saul. He has about 600 men in an army with him and they are now living on Philistine territory in a place called Ziklag. In 1 Samuel chapter 27, just moonwalk backwards to chapter 27 around verse 8, you will see that David and this group of 600 men made a raid on the Amalekites' territory. So what we're actually witnessing in 1 Samuel chapter 30 is a revenge act. They are now attacking who just attacked them. And David is away at the time handling some business with all the men. And so the Amalekites catch them when they are least expecting it. Are y'all following me here? And they take captive the women and the children, the sons and the daughters. They burn Ziklag down to the ground. And normally we focus in on King David. When they return, he weeps until he has no more tears to weep. The men are speaking of stoning David because they're blaming David for the fact that their wives, their daughters, and their sons have been taken captive by the Amalekites. And then that famous verse, verse 6, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? But today, I don't want to talk about David. I want to know what was going through the minds of Ohinoam and Abigail when they were abducted, when they were kidnapped, when they were brought into enslavement by the Amalekites, when they had to watch what they had built go down to the ground. Watch this now. You've got to feel the tension to understand where I'm going. The men were always at war. The men were always away. It was the women who built the homes. It was the women who made sure the community stayed together. The men were away handling business in other territories. So when they watch Ziklag be burned to the ground, the women are watching their work go down in ashes. Can't you see them as they're carried off maybe in chariots, maybe by chains, maybe on foot as they look back. All they see is smoke. All they smell is the smoke and see the rubble of what the Amalekites have done. How did it feel to be abducted and not know if God was going to bring you back home? What did it feel like to be snatched away in the most vulnerable way you can? The men had the weapons. The men had the military might. The men were the strong ones. What did it feel like? Do you feel the tension of these wives trying to shelter their young daughters and their young sons? No men in sight. Abigail, the second wife of David, has been captured. Ahinoam, the third wife of David, has been captured. And I should tell you, because some of y'all trying to figure out like I was, why he have so many wives? Oh, he had more than that in the society of the ancient Near East. A woman's sexuality was usually under the control of a man in her family 
family. A father controlled their daughter's sexuality and decisions and then husbands controlled their wives and marriages was not really about love in the Old Testament many times. It was more about negotiation and financial arrangements between the groom and the male members of the family. So let me just whisper to you, it ain't much love going on up in here. Abigail was a wealthy woman before she met David and David asked her to come. Matter of fact, didn't ask, sent for her to come after her husband died, Nabal, who was a foolish man. Abigail had some money. Abigail had her stacks on deck. Abigail had some bling bling. Abigail, yeah, was a boss. Abigail was a stallion. She was fine and had good sense. And when David pulled her in, it wasn't really love. It was about financial arrangements. And then Ahinoab, the Bible says that he just took her because they didn't have much voice in that day. And here he is with all his wives. And before the brothers get any idea, talking about, well, if they had more than one wife in the Old Testament, I don't know why I can't have more than one. An old preacher was asked one day by his young grandson, granddaddy, why does the Bible say that David and Solomon and so many men in the Bible, Abraham had more than one wife? Why can't we? We live like that. And the old pastor responded to the young grandson. He said, son, you'll understand later. It's hard enough to keep one happy. You might as well just go on and just deal with one. You'll get that on your way home. They had two wives, and these wives are taken captive. The wives are out there with the Amalekites, and they don't know that God is strengthening David to strategize their rescue. What do you do in the meantime before you realize God is actually on God's way to fix it? What do you do in the meantime when you have no idea that God is actually strategizing your rescue? I don't expect you to say man, because the truth is some of us are forgetful and we forget what it feels like to be in a helpless uh, despondent situation where you don't know what God is up to you believe God was able you hope God could do it you heard God could do it but you did not know what God was doing captured and all you have is the memory of the rubble and the ashes and the smell of smoke on your garments what happens when you think it's all over number one for those of you who are in that place, those of you who've been in that place, those of you who are going to be in that place, number one, let me give you this. You've got to sit with your perplexities. You've got to sit with your perplexities. I know that Will, uh, Will de Gaffney, the Old Testament scholar and womanist theologian, argues that sometimes when you read these texts and you don't have the words of the women and you don't have a deep narrative around the women, you have to step into what the old church calls your sanctified imagination. Can you imagine? No, we don't hear from Abigail. No, we don't hear the voice of Ahinoam out of the text. No, we don't hear the wives, but they been abducted they've been captured and they don't know what's happening how do you survive in a hard place how do you survive in a season where things are not good how do you make it and sustain your emotional and mental health in a season where you don't understand what's happening where your finances can't get you out of it where your relationships and your networks cannot fix anything where you are powerless where you on the verge of being hopeless where all of your options are closing in on you and you've just got to sit with your perplexities brothers and sisters before you leave this earth hear me you're going to be like Abigail and Ahinoam you're going to be in a place where you're not going to know what's going on and I stumbled across an article called the five ways to deal with despair and one of the ways they say that you have to deal with despair is be honest about the despair wake up that sleepy person beside you and say be honest I get so tired of people in church trying to pretend like everything's alright I get so tired of people trying to fake it till they make it your mama dies or a family member dies and then people look at you at the funeral and say be strong if you don't get out of my face I don't need you to tell me to be strong I need to cry I need to grieve I need to feel this and it be the 
main people trying to pretend like they strong who crack three months later because they never dealt with the reality of their grief or the loss. You are human and because you are human you're going to hurt. You are human and because you're human you're going to cry. You are human and because you're human sometimes you're going to be in despair. For the last two weeks I've heard four or five stories right out of this church of younger people who are on the edge of considering suicide. And what I'm discovering is many of us don't understand that we've got to learn how to sit with despair and make it a partner and not our driver. Despair is a reality. You will have moments when you feel weak. Lean up. You will have moments when all the odds are stacked against you. School will be hard. People will be hard. Jobs will be difficult. Folks will betray you. Relationships will not last always forever. Divorce happens sometimes. Death happens sometimes. But you've got to make despair a partner in your car and not the driver of your car. And you got to learn those scriptures that the old saints used to say all the time we say it but you got to believe it weeping may endure for a night but joy will slow down weeping may joy will weeping may possibility joy will certainty you gotta have something that holds you even when life gets hard can I get a witness that sometimes life is absolutely hard and you gotta learn how to sit in your despair. For those of you who are grieving, I tell every family I can talk to, you got to learn how to do what? Ride the wave. You got to ride the wave. Some days you're up, some days you're down. Ride the wave. Sometimes you're happy, sometimes you're sad. Sometimes you got energy, sometimes you don't want to get out of bed. Sometimes you want to listen to good music, sometimes you need silence. Sometimes you're happy and want to be around people, sometimes you want people to leave you alone. Sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down, and you got to ride the wave. But if you don't ride the wave, it's going to hit you one day like a tsunami because you can't heal what you conceal. Ride, sit with it. If it hurts you, look at why it hurt you. Reflect on it. I remember somebody ticked me off so bad about two months ago, and I told my wife, I ain't over it yet. She asked me a week later, you good? I said, I ain't over it yet. She asked me two weeks later, I'm not over it yet. Matter of fact, I'm going to be mad until I'm tired of being mad about it, and I'm going to heal one day. I'm trying to tell you, y'all, oh my Lord, the pastor was pissed. The pastor was upset. Absolutely. Maybe if you be real, you stop fighting, cussing on Facebook bleeding on people who didn't cut you. Sometimes you have to feel what you feel. I don't know exactly what they felt, but I know they were scared. I know they had to be worried. I know they had to be tired. I know that had to be exhausting. Would they rape us? Would they abuse us? Would they kill us? Would David and the men ever find us? It was hopeless. They had to sit with that. And I'm trying to tell you, you can be a believer, but I need you to be a healthy believer. I know you've got faith, but you also need to look at the facts. Sit with it. And that's where your healing will come. Not in your denial, in your reality. Sit with it. Just when you think it's all over, sit with your perplexities. But number two, number two, number two, number two, and I'm going to try to act like I got good sense. After you sit with your perplexities, and that word perplexities just means things that confound you, baffle you, confuse you. Number two, you got to savor your possibilities. I, I need you to tell somebody like you losing your mind, you got some possibilities. And I want you to say with all the ebonics you can muster up, you've got some possibilities. Possibilities means things that may happen or be uh, a possible, things that could happen, things that are options on the table. Watch it now. It's so fast you're going to miss it. The Bible says that the Amalekites, these ancient enemies of Israel, came and took them captive. The Bible says in verse 2, they took them captive, all who were in it, small and great, all of the women, but they killed none of them. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. They took them, but they didn't kill them. Now, when David messed with the Amalekites just over in 1 Samuel chapter 27 around verse 8, he killed everybody. So if they really wanted to get equal revenge, they should have killed them on spot. And when David and the 600 men returned back to Ziklag, they should have found bodies everywhere. Now, when David and the men came back, they didn't see anybody 
but they didn't see anybody's. So although we're in a situation, come on, and Ahinoam and Abigail and all these wives, we're in a situation that the odds are stacked against us, we are alive. Now, I, I, I need to be honest with you because this could get real churchy real fast. And I got every right to do it. You are alive. I, I, I mean, you are alive. But I want to go deeper. The fact that you are alive gives us some information. What does it tell us? Watch this. If you don't catch nothing else, catch this. If you've got oxygen, you've got options. If you've got a pulse, you've got possibilities. If you have a heartbeat, you still have hope. Tell somebody that look like they're glad to be in the number, you've got options. And I need those of you who are feeling like it's all over to understand as long as you've got oxygen in your lungs, you still have options in your life. As long as you have a pulse, you have possibilities. Y'all not listening to me. I need you to feel that in your soul that because God is still God and you are a child of God as long as you are alive you've got to savor your possibilities. You've got to understand there's still space for this thing to turn around. There's still the possibility that something could work out. I remember just last week I was talking to one of our members who is very ill with lung cancer and she said pastor I got some decisions to make. They want me to figure out if I have to do this or if I do this if I need to do this or if I need to do this now she's definitely ill she's seriously ill severely ill with this cancer and she told me pastor I'm confused I need some help because I got some decisions to make I could do this I could do this they say I could do this I could do this when she finished after 20 minutes of talking I said can we at least thank God you got some options because some people are so sick they don't have any options and we park right there and say Lord thank you for some options y'all are looking at me but you ain't feeling me. I'm trying to tell you as long as you got breath in your body, there is still the possibility for some things to work out. I know you feel despair. I know you feel you in the way. I know you thinking about ending your life and ending it all. Before you do that, listen to the preacher. You still got options. It can go left. It can go right. A door can open over here. A door can open over there. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all you can ask or thank everybody else who's sleep stay sleep I need about a hundred ride or die who can give God glory for possibilities I lost a job but it's possible for me to get another one I lost my boo but it's possible for me to date again I will not walk around here with my toes and my nails crusty I'm gonna get my toes done manicured and my fingers pedicures on my feet dandruff out my hair and I ain't gonna look like what I feel like because I still got some possibility Tell three people, you got some possibilities. You're, you have not seen all that God can do in your life. You got options. There are doors. There are possibilities. So yes, we are captured, but there's still the possibility for us to be rescued. I, I don't know if I'm coming through. But that ought to wake you up in the morning. I got some possibilities. Isn't that good news for those of you in your 60s and 70s and 80s? Sometimes you can feel like life is all over. The preacher came to just tap you on the shoulder and say you can be 60 and still sexy. You can be 70 and still have strength. You can be 80 and walk without a cane and don't need medicine. Now under him. I'm trying to tell you. You better tell somebody there may be some snow on the roof, but there's a fire in the kitchen. I got possibilities. Just because I'm old don't mean it's over. Just because I failed don't mean I'm going to fail forever. Just because I made a mistake, that doesn't make it the end of my story. Can I holler at somebody that feels some possibilities? Anybody feel some possibilities? Anybody feel some options? Anybody reminded that God can still make a way out of nowhere? You're here this morning because a possibility happened. Sit with your perplexities. Savor the possibilities. Woo, I get so happy. Just think about what's possible. 
Oh, y'all forgive me. Sometimes I'm not shouting over my past. I'm shouting over my future. I start thinking about the future fellowship. And I, and I go to bopping. I start thinking about my future and what God, and what, what eyes have not seen and what, y'all excuse me, I feel like preaching now, what ears have not heard and what hadn't even entered into my heart and I get happy over what's possible. Write this down. You need a passion for the possible. Sit with your perplexities. Savor your possibilities. And lastly, see God's proclivities. It's so simple, I'm embarrassed to preach this little sermon. Ahinoam, Abigail, all these wives, sons, daughters. And the Bible says that David recovered all. Recovered all. It's right in verse 18. He recovered all. And his two wives. They didn't have no idea that God was strategizing their rescue. You heard me, but you didn't hear me. They had no idea that all the time they were caught, God was at work. They had no idea just how much God was getting people lined up, situations lined up over here. They over here thinking it's all over and God's at work. Fixing and moving and strategizing and manipulating and moving the puzzle pieces together. I'm here to tell you right now while you're sitting in church, God is at work. And some of you worried about something that's going to happen next week, I'm here to release you. It's already worked out. You, you, you may not know how it's worked out, but I'm trying to tell you it's already worked out. Let me go further. It's already done. So you got to learn how to give him glory even when you can't see how it's going. Don't let your faith be about what you see because we walk by faith and not by. You know what that word proclivities mean? Put it back up on the screen. It means somebody's tendency. That's why some people, every time I see them coming, I never ask them how they're doing because I know their proclivity. And I already know they're about to tell me something bad. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you don't even have to ask your child what they did. You already know them because you know their proclivities. <laughs> you know their tendencies. And see, when you feel like it's all over, here's what I need you to know. You got to be reminded of God's proclivities. God's tendencies. There's some stuff about God that you just got to know for yourself. I said you just got to know some stuff. It ought not shock you that the Bible says David recovered all because we got a God who helps you recover. It ought not shock you when somebody comes back from a real sick moment because you got a God who has the tendency to heal. You don't have any money yet you paid all your bills and you look like a million dollars because God has the tendency to provide. Keep sitting there. I already told you I feel like preaching. You worried about a nappy-headed enemy. But you shouldn't be worried because God has the tendency and the proclivity to make your enemies your footstool. So the closer I get to God, the more I relax off of his proclivities. Okay, y'all not feeling me? Uh, uh, I'm going to bring this all together. I'm bringing this all together. So I, 2010, I'm watching Toy Story 3. Toy Story 3. Don't judge me. Yes, I was grown then. I was old then. But I went to see Toy Story 3. And at the end of the movie, Toy Story 3, Woody, Bud Light, get a slinky dog, Mr. Potato Head, Miss Potato Head. They, got they were manipulated by this fat purple bear named Lotso. Lotso had the opportunity to save them when they got caught in the incinerator. If you don't know what an incinerator is, that's a big word that means fire. And whatever goes in it is about to be burned. Lotso, this big purple mean bear, could have hit the stop button on the incinerator machine. But I want you to see what happened. Play it for me, Toy Story 3. Woody, look, I can see daylight. We're going to be okay. <laughs> I don't think that's daylight.
That bad stuff I said about Andy's attic, I take it all back. You darn too. You said it. Oh, darling, you were so brave. You saved our lives. And we are eternally grateful. You know, <clears throat> you know, somebody. was almost about to be out of here. And because it is God's proclivity to be a deliverer, a hand came out of nowhere and grabbed you out of a situation just when you thought it was over. Now I need you to help be a preacher. I'm going to license you. I license seven, but I'm about to license everybody in here to help me preach this thing and look at somebody behind your mask and tell them, neighbor, the reason I'm here is because God's hand reached into my situation and helped me recover, helped me bounce back, helped me get it together, put me back on my feet. I came to tell you just when you think it's over, God will reach in out of nowhere and help you pull on through. Joseph thought it was all over when he was thrown in a pit, but his brothers made one mistake. They forgot that God put a trampoline in the bottom of every pit and God took him from the pit to the palace. Hagar thought it was all over when Abraham kicked her and her baby Ishmael out of the house. But God provided water in the middle of a desert. Moses and the Israelites thought it was all over when they made it to the Red Sea and the Egyptians pursuing them. But God built a highway 
in the middle of no way and they made it across on dry land Naomi thought it was all over after her husband and two sons died but God allowed Ruth to stay with her and restored her hope in the possibilities of tomorrow David thought it was all over when King Saul turned on him and kept trying to assassinate him but God was David's light strength and salvation and taught him how to duck every javelin Queen Vashti y'all remember her thought it was all over when she refused to bow to crown culture and told the king no but God let her live Shadrach Meshach and Abednego thought it was all over when King Nebuchadnezzar threw them in the fiery furnace but God didn't just get them out God stepped in and with them do I have about a hundred witnesses that can lift your hands and testify God will get in it with you and you won't even smell like smoke the widow of Zarephath thought it was all over when she ran out of food but God sent the prophet Elijah down to her house and helped turn her story from not enough to too much the woman who was bent over for 18 years thought it was all over but Jesus came and straightened her out Peter thought it was all over when he started sinking while trying to walk on the water but Jesus called him the widow of Nain thought it was all over on her way to bury her only son but Jesus interrupted the funeral service and turned the funeral procession into a family reunion Paul and Silas thought it was all over on their way to the Philippian jail but Paul started praying Silas started singing and God caused an earthquake to shake them free and God produced the first jailhouse rock I've got my own testimony I told y'all I thought it was over when I needed $12,000 to stay in school that same night I went to my church led worship taught Bible study told the church you gotta worship God in spite of what you need you gotta worship God in spite of how you feel I told the church that night I need some money to stay in school I'm more nervous now than I've ever been in my life but I choose to worship well, a black man sitting on the front row of the service knew a family member who was a millionaire. He went and told the man, my pastor needs some money to stay in school. The man said, I love your pastor. He's one of the few humble pastors I know. He said, tell him to meet me at the bank tomorrow. And I cut the check. I thought it was all over when I left my first church. I thought I would have to work at Chick-fil-A, a men's warehouse. Three days after I left, Pastor Charles Jenkins inboxed me on Instagram and said, I want to get you over to the ship to preach. I thought I was just coming to preach one time but God worked that thing out and where I went to go preach now I'm the third pastor I'm trying to tell you when you think it's all over God will reach his hand in and work that thing out and the last story I told you about my grandmother sick with COVID-19 all those comorbidities they said she may not have her memory she may not be able to eat and she may not be able to talk I need to tell you this time last year after all she went through in January after all she went through in February I went to visit her and she talked to me when I walked in the room she was in the middle of eating and I asked her what was your favorite scripture she said oh that's Psalm 121 and she quoted it by memory I will lift up my eyes 
to the hills for with cometh my help I was so despondent when my grandmama was sick I went to a cemetery and asked the grave diggers is there any spot near where my aunties are the grave man said son I hear you're worried and concerned but do you have a death certificate I said no I ain't got no death certificate he said well as long as you don't have a death certificate there's still some possibilities that this might work out and I need to tell you I left that cemetery got off that phone and I have not had a death certificate yet for my grandmother she's still here she's still alive because just when you think it's all over God can turn that thing around I know y'all don't like this but somebody in your seat just turn around one time as a sign that God can still work things out I am legend is coming out with a sequel but the main character died in the last scene of the last movie how is it that they're gonna have a sequel I don't know but I know another man who died in the last scene of the last movie on Friday on a hill called Calvary they hung him high stretched him wide he hung his head and for me he died but that's not how the story ends cause three days later a sequel happened he rose again I came to tell you your story ain't over your story ain't over this too shall pass you can make it through this now look at one more neighbor put your fist on their fist and say neighbor I know it feels like sometimes it's all over but tell them hold on God ain't through blessing you. God's not through writing your story. God's not through shifting your life. Tell him, be not dismayed. Whatever betides you, God will. people say it ain't over yet it ain't over yet put the pills down put the gun down put that despair down put your hopelessness down put that alcohol down put that weed down put that cigarette down stop walking the floor lay yourself down and quote the scripture but they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings like an eagle. Run, not get weary. Walk. Tell somebody, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The best is still yet to come. If I got to ask you to praise him, it ain't real. If I got to ask you to praise him, it ain't real. Somebody thank God for your verse 18 you will recover you will recover I said you will recover I speak it over your life
miracles? Do I have any at the 11th hour miracles where God just turned that thing around just in the nick of time? Everybody's standing. I'm not preaching to everybody today. Those students who are struggling want to give up. I'm talking to you. That person who feels the depths of despair, loss of friend, family members sick, stress, bad news everywhere you go. I'm talking to you. And just when you think it's over, uh, I need to remind you of God's proclivities. You know, some stuff I say, you, you'll get it later. You got to live. You got to live. When I start talking about he's a keeper, I'm trying to tell you that's his proclivity. He just has certain proclivities. He saves. God heals. God delivers. God rescues. God opens doors nobody can shut. God shuts doors. Somebody shut. That's God's proclivities. So don't you lose hope because you're sitting with your perplexities. Savor, taste, relish. Fill your mind with the possibilities. You lost a job? It's cool. Enjoy your free vacation. Because you are freer now for more possibilities. You failed. It's cool. You failed. That don't mean you are a failure. You failed. And all that means is you have another opportunity to try again. If you need Christ today, I want you to meet a man who died in the last scene of the gospel story. But because it is the proclivity of God to give us resurrections, Sundays are always followed. Fridays are always followed by Sundays. I'm going to let you go. But if you need Christ and you're in this room, come on down here. Come on down. If you need Christ, need another chance. You felt despair. You felt like giving up. You felt like quitting. I want you right now to come on and give your life to Christ. So you can join the army of believers that can lift their hands and say, God made a way for me out of no way. If you need Christ, come on, man, woman, boy, or girl. If you're online, you can email us, you can text us. But if you're in the room, walk out the balcony. Come out the back. Man, woman, boy, or girl. It doesn't matter who you are. Y'all help me a minute. Look at people on the left and right of you and say, do you need to come on down? Ask them, do you need to walk on down? If you do, walk with them, walk with them, walk with them, walk with them. Come on. Come on, man. Come on, brother. Come on, sister. I feel you in my spirit. Don't delay. Tomorrow is not promised. All things. For the good of them For the good of them. For the good of them. Oh. 
connected with us at info at fellowshipchicago.com but to my sister we welcome you aboard the virtual ship I really feel that you're not the only one in the room that needs to come I really do and I think somebody said I ain't been around this many people in two years that's a lot of people hell's gonna be crowded and heaven's gonna be crowded you gotta pick your crowd so I'm giving you another opportunity. If you need to give your life to Christ to begin a new walk, just giving you one more chance. All I got is 30 more seconds. If you don't move, that's your business. But I've been preaching 16 years. Every time I have felt somebody else needed to come, somebody came either in that moment or they came like Nicodemus at night saying, it was me, Pastor. But I don't want you to do it like Nick at night. I want you to be a daytime disciple and be bold enough to walk and say I'm coming to Jesus don't worry about none of us everybody in here is jacked up saved by grace I promise you you in good company from the pulpit to the back door jacked all the way up but if I'm waiting on you and you need to walk out I got 20 seconds that's all I got that's all I got 15 seconds that's all I got that's all I got that's all I got that's all I got 10 seconds that's all I got. Is that you coming out the balcony? Come on, my sister. We'll wait on you. Come on. Come on. Come on. And she may not just be her, but I'm going to wait on her today. Come on. All things work together. Y'all give her some some love as she walks all the way out the balcony. You better come on down here. Come on down here. Come on into your new family. Come on. Oh, things. God bless you. God bless you. Fellowship, turn up. Turn up. Turn up. Turn up. Come on. We thank God for our two sisters. Miss Wendy, come on, come on, walk with my sister. Love the Lord. You may be seated. All things. These sisters are singing up in here. Work together.
I know y'all tired. He's working it out. I've been in here by myself for two years. I know you tired. Imagine how tired I've been. He's working it out. I said he's working it out. Anybody need God to work some stuff out? I ain't talking about next month. I'm talking about today, tomorrow, this week. Somebody holler, work it out, Lord. Work it out, Lord. Work it out, Lord. Work it out, Lord. My name is Woody. My name is Bud Lightyear. And I'm in trouble. I need the call. I need your hand to come out of nowhere and just... Work it out here. For my good, as long as you're in control, I know things will work out. Yeah. All right, listen, I got to get you out of here. I got to get you out of here. I've enjoyed church today. Has anybody been blessed today? Just when you think it's all over, you got to do what? Sit with your perplexities. Savor all of your possibilities. See God's proclivities. Now this time I want you to wake up and talk to me like you actually got discernment. It's your fault. You wanted to come back to church. Sit with your perplexities. Savor your possibilities. And see God's proclivities. It ain't over till God says it's over. We're praying for the family of Miss Valerie Bradford. Mister, yesterday her service, she was a major vessel in helping people be delivered and transformed off of drugs and alcohol. And she passed, but her funeral was packed with testimonies of people who were helped because of her life. And I tell you, and we're praying for her. We're praying for her daughter, Miss Tracy. Miss Keisha McFarland, we love you. We love you. We love you. Praying for you. Praying for you. Whatever fellowship can do to help you, we're right here. God, in the name of Jesus, cover the worshiper. She led us, but now God, lead her. Restore her, revive her, send your sweet Holy Spirit that she sung about to soothe her and her family during this time of grief. Touch her sisters, touch her siblings, touch her extended family. Send your peace. We know you're able. You've done it before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you. Hey, this year's fun jar, today's fun jar is write out your bucket list and pick one to do soon. Write out your bucket list for 2022. What are you going to do? What are you going to do before the year is over? I'm going to Hawaii before the year is over. Yeah, I'm going. That's from the song, Meet Me at the Trap is Going Down. Y'all don't know nothing about that. Save the date. Save the date. March 25th, family game night, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. right here at the church. Food, fun, games, fellowship. We're going to turn up right here March 25th on Friday. Fellowship, family, game night. Y'all make some noise. It's the year fun. So just save the date, save the date. More information is coming. Well, I want to thank God for all of our ministers who were licensed this past Wednesday. All of you, please stand. Minister Rochelle, I see you. Minister Ron Hughes, I saw him. Minister Bernard Jackson, I see him. Y'all give it up for our ministers. Minister Bonnie Fulgham. Yeah, they did their good preaching. Thank you so much. We're excited about your next and your now. Thank you for all of you who drove through the ash distribution uh, I tell you it was a powerful day around here at the ship we prayed for over 300 people on Wednesday if you drove up you received your ash to kick off the Lenten season and somebody was wondering what are the ashes now now what kind wait what what no 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 no
what, 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 what's the ashes? Where, where they get these ashes from? They take the palm leaves from the previous year, they burn them, and that's where you get the ashes. It's the ashes from the palm leaves, which actually is a recapitulation of what happens with Jesus. Life can come from death. It's all right. It's all right. You get it later. You get it later. It's all meaningful, but we're in the middle of our Lenten fast. I want to see you on the prayer call tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. We have about 420 who've been gathering on the Faith and Wisdom prayer call daily. But I, we, our church is too big for us to be satisfied with 400. During this Lenten fast, we want at least 1,000 praying with us for the next 30-ish days. 30 claps because everybody else going to be asleep. Listen, I, I, I want to stretch your faith. Put It's on the screen. Take your phone out. Get a picture of it. Lock this number in your phone. Lock the ac access code in your phone. It's easier when it's already in your phone. When I wake up in the morning, I have prayer call as one of my favorites. I got the access code memorized, 272251 pound. Memorize, that's how I want you to be, 272251 pound. And you in there, 15 minutes, we're done. And we have church on that prayer call, do you hear me? Sometimes you get a word, sometimes you get a prayer, sometimes Elder Monica start hollering and go into a full worship. <laughs> you never know, but we, we set our day right. And I believe that's why God has been blessing our church in this pandemic because every day we have begun our day with prayer. Somebody say amen. Take a picture of that. Take a picture of that. I'm, I'm looking for a thousand tomorrow, 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 tomorrow morning, 7 a.m., a thousand, a thousand, one thousand, one thousand. That's one comma zero, zero, zero tomorrow. And then Fellowship Bible Academy begins Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Amen. Come on, y'all. You can sign up for classes on the website. We will not have refuel. We'll be showing some refuel throwbacks on the main Facebook page, but I really want you to be in a class. You grow the most, not in the sanctuary, in the classroom where you can engage each other. It'll be on Zoom this year. Next Sunday is daylight saving time. Remember to set your clocks an hour forward. You're gonna lose an hour, but we are gonna gain some more sunlight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Weekly registration for in-person worship is every Sunday at 5 p.m. And that is what we'll do for now to make sure people will stop registering for Sundays they don't intend to show up for. Amen. So Sunday at 5 p.m., you can always register. You can always register. You can always register. Y'all show some love to Lady Bree. All right. This church loves some Lady Bree. Y'all give it up for helping to kick off our Women's History Month, our all-women's praise team. Come on, y'all show some love to the sisters. Back in the day, we call you the women's choir. But we thank you for your anointing and the power that you led us with today. I'm grateful for you. It's giving time on the ship. We're going to give and we're going to go. Amen? I have school all next week, so ain't nobody more tired than me. So just, you'll be all right. Just give me... Five more minutes, five more minutes. School next week, all day long, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Uh-huh, intensive is what they call it. Your pastor will be in an intensive, so y'all pray for me in this intensive that I stay awake during these intensives on Zoom. Amen. I want you to give at this time if you have something to give in the sanctuary, in the sanctuary. You want to give, uh, the deacons are posted at every exit door with fellowship buckets you can drop your envelope your cash your checks in there but if you're giving online go ahead and sow go ahead and sow let's start this month off strong i want to thank you for your generosity thank you for your spirit and next sunday we're going to do our best to get you out in less than an hour and 15 minutes that's going to be the goal elder v we're going to try again 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 even he left amen even he's gone amen everybody's gone everybody left all right we try again next week. He's in the back. He's in the back. Elder he's in the back. He's in the back handling something. Amen. Come on, I'm giving you a chance to give. Give me a chance to give. Lift your hands. Receive the benediction. May your struggles keep you near the cross. May your troubles show that you need God. May your battles end the way they should. And may your bad days prove that God is good. I pray your whole life proves that God is good. In Jesus' name.
this is our benediction, our final blessing. And all the people said amen, amen, and amen. Virtual Ship, I love you. Have a great week. Virtual Ship, I love you. Have a great week. And we'll see you soon. Peace, 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 peace. Hey, family, I pray you've been blessed by this message that God gave me. I hope you stay connected to Fellowship Chicago through YouTube, Facebook, or our website. Go to fellowshipchicago.com today and make sure that you stay updated on all of the great things that are happening on the ship. Until we meet again, may you be blessed by the power, the peace, and the provisions of God. Peace, peace.